0: Hi everyone, welcome to Cafe Curiosity, a podcast about experience and discovery. Today's episode features a story called New Daughters of Africa, written by Bridget Minamore. As the child of migrants, this story spoke to me so much because of how much we lose when we move in this way but also how much we gain. I cannot deny that my life has been enriched in so many ways by having had the opportunity to move from one country to another, to another and back again. I hope that within this, you get the nuances of the the crisis of identity, of trying to fit in, of, of finding yourself and finding that perhaps There are many versions of yourself that can exist within a life and also at a point in time based on where you are and what's happening. And it doesn't mean that any of those versions are inauthentic in any way. New Daughters of Africa is featured in an international anthology called New Daughters of Africa, and it showcases the work of more than 200 women writers of African descent, featuring writers from as far as Antigua to Zimbabwe, Angola, the USA. What's amazing about the New Daughters of Africa anthology is that the stories date back as far as the pre 1900s. The first story or the first author featured is Nana Asmao who lived from 1793 to 1863 and she was an inspirational West African poet, social activist and scholar who remains a revered figure in northern Nigeria to this day. So I would say go out there if you can get yourself a copy of New Daughters of Africa. Now a little bit about Bridget Minamore, the author of New Daughters of Africa, the short story. Bridget Minamore is a British Ghanaian writer from southeast London. She was shortlisted to be London's first young poet laureate and has been commissioned by the Royal Opera House, and the Tate Modern. She writes regularly for The Guardian and The Stage about pop culture, theater, music, race, and class. She was chosen as one of the hospital club's emerging creators, as well as one of the speaking volume 40 stars of Black British literature. Now, without further ado, listen on. To the reading of new daughters of africa and after the story for my thoughts and now new daughters of africa by bridget Minimore. you will get your hair done your auntie who is not your auntie works from the hive of her high rise seven stories up in the air the lifts round here are always broken so you climb one step. Two step. Leap to avoid a puddle of peace. Four step. Five step. Six step. Maneuver around the boys who have colonized the stairwell. Eight step. Nine step. Land on the tenth. Twist your body and do the same steps all over again. Now you are on the first floor. Repeat six times. Arrive at a black gate, rusted but strong. Ball your fist and knock through the gap you find between two wrought strips of iron. Wait for the door to swing open, away from your body. Wait for the gate to swing open into your face. Look at the child who has opened the door and gate. Step inside. Time passes. Your auntie, who's not your auntie, is perched on the edge of a wooden hard-backed chair. She speaks into her mobile phone, the cracked screen linked to back home, resting taut between her chin and collarbone. Aunties round here like to multitask. Aunties round here like to talk. She speaks a language you only half understand. Or, she speaks a language you don't understand at all. Or, she speaks a pigeon hybrid that you understand more the more you listen to it. Her mouth is wide, her voice is wider. The sound of her speaking to someone who is not you fills the room, ricochets off the high life she plays on a loop from a withered stereo, bounces around and settles a little too loudly inside your ears. You are sitting cross-legged on a frayed patterned cushion, bum sore, legs cramped, mind resigned. Your back is a solid mass against the warmth of her crotch you and this woman have become so close you are now the same person perhaps both machine and its end product your neck rests taut between her knees your head periodically pulled from side to side as she braids each weft of hair right hand thumb and middle finger slip the strands together index hooks underneath wrist turns and pulls the hair under never over Left hand and left fingers join in to mirror these movements. And now she has begun. Her fingertips are ballet dancing in the air between your head and her breasts. Your auntie, who is not your auntie, is making magic from and through and with your hair. For hour upon hour, you stay here, in this spot, nothing to focus on beyond the volume of her voice, the hum of her music, and the yelps of her two- or three, or is that four, children make as they buzz by the back of the front door. Loud mothers breed loud daughters. Loud mothers breed loud sons. Products of our parenting, you sit, get your hair braided, watch the similarities across generations and wonder, is it this obvious when people see you and your own mother or your cousins and their kids? or the girls from church and their children. Round here, maternity feels mandatory sometimes, despite old stigma of young bellies weighed down with new life. These ends where babies seemed to be born before their mothers. Meanwhile, mums rarely got credit for moulding and building their kids in a kiln of cracked pavement slabs. There are less of them now, you think, unripe teenagers, all baby hairs and two early baby bellies. Still, you remember the newspapers from your own teenage years, large fonts and graphically close photos, headlines decrying these singular mothers, blaming them for the fact their children were being cut down like weeds. Why have we had no follow-ups? Front pages used to scream, teenage moms in record highs, but no one has gone back to show the 29-year-olds you know feeding and clothing and preparing their own teens to go out into the world. Still, life turned out different for you. You might have read Keisha the Skit, but you didn't act on it. You might have met the dem down the park, but never for too long. You kept your head down instead, face first in books back then, knee deep in toil these days because every day is work day, grinding because if you don't, who will? You work as hard as your mother does, overburdened and under Find it easier to cross between worlds than your brothers can. Dark boys who colonize stairwells on estates, often their voices aren't allowed to code-switch across postcodes like yours is. Their voices could be wrought against silver, but they'd still fall on ears too beeswax to hear. Dark boys round here are heard as having dark voices everywhere. Yours, though? Yours is tempered by your gender. You are allowed to have a posh voice and a road voice, and you are not sure which voice is yours. You have chipped away at your voice for so long, you have forgotten what you actually sound like. There are many of you. Black girls the wrong side of a line made of brown paper bags. Parents low-income but hard-working. You new daughters of Africa born with expectation to tattooed ag- across your backs. You made your way to centuries-old universities in this new land, building so white your skin felt dirty, where elites commented politely on the way you mispronounced hyperbole, epitome, segue. But also water, laughing, mother. You would drop your T's and G's and find a V where there is none. War are Laughin', mother, wrong, they would say, wrong. So you shaved your words into shape. You scrubbed your counsel flat from the flat of your tongue. You learned to move your mouth and hands less. You convinced yourself your accent was a mess. So you point-blank banished, blatantly, and yeah, but. Years of being told you sounded white, or stush, or posh, but now. Now you are road, now you are... You are you, posh-voiced, bouncing between dialects depending upon who you are speaking to. You talk to people and you want to cry sometimes because you cannot tell if this is what you're supposed to sound like, if this is your real voice. Now you have forgotten your first language, not the one your parents speak or the pigeon hybrid that you understand more the more you listen to it. No, With every passing day, you lose the language of your only true home, the words wrought from cracked pavement slabs, those weighted words spoken by boys who colonize stairwells. Now you know how to speak properly. You will get your hair done, and you speak to your auntie who's not your auntie in an accent that mimics her own. You use the same strange voice that starts to appear somewhere down the high road, somewhere along your walk to weave the strands that sprout from your scalp. Getting your hair done round here means navigating an obstacle course of women with babies strapped to their backs, women peering through shop windows and spilling from doorways. It means avoiding... Too quick to see until it's too late. Grabs from talent rows of French-tipped fingertip claws. It means ignoring the hissing meant to catch your attention. S-s-s- Can I do your hair? Sometimes along this walk, somewhere inside your. No, I'm all right. I've got someone already. Repeated response. Your voice changes. An accent appears. It is involuntary, subconscious, and it happens every time you speak to an African elder. You arrive at your auntie, who's not your auntie's high-rise front door, to get your hair done. This voice, your voice for today, is fully formed now, a voice wrought against the paving stones that surround this block. The lifts round here are always broken, so you climb seven stories up in the air, sweat pooling at the base of your silk scarf-covered neck with each step. You have always had to work hard to make your hair work. One step, two step, leap to avoid a puddle of piss. Four step, five step, six step, maneuver around a group of boys who look to so many like men. The stairwell they have colonized smells like weed and opportunity because these boys are always working. You glance over them, a murder of navy and black, a shoal of Nike tracksuits and side bags. These flightless birds, these fish still swimming out of water. You wonder how hard it must have been for them to grow here, to sprout from the cracks in the paving slabs. You breathe in. Breathe in. Breathe. Let the grimy Afrobeat trap drill rap beats that seep from their cracked screens fill the bottom of your lungs. What does it mean that the music they are making now sounds like what you were raised on? or sounds like what their parents escaped from. Back home, drum beats versus artillery fire. You go to raves with your mates and are reminded of Daddy Lumba ringing in your ears as your mother forced you to pass an uncle another bottle of Supermalt. Petulance splayed across your face. You scour YouTube and hear gunshots The music these boys play loudly and proudly from phones in the corners of stairwells is fresh off a boat that sailed straight from your diaspora childhood. And you are in awe of it. Their music is London and Accra and Birmingham and Lagos and Leeds. Their music doesn't need anything more than what it is. Their music is settled in its chaos. You know they are as you are desperate to connect with parents, and parents' parents, and parents' parents' parents. You and they are desperate to have a home somewhere. But you know as they know this is perhaps impossible. So you and they want to at least sound like you have all found one. You will get your hair done. Walking past boys who have colonized concrete they had no right to, you ascend. Eight step, nine step, land on the 10th, seven stories in the air, fist poised to knock through a wrought iron gap. You assess the ways you have changed since the early days of coming to this home to get your hair braided. You are older now, your head is lighter now, less weighted with expectation and two full braids. Still, sometimes you look so heavy. It happens more the older you get. You wear a lot of jewellery because it's nice to be reminded there is something else that weighs you down. You keep your too-long acrylics on because being physically unable to do every single task you're asked to calms your anxiety. You took the earrings and nails off at university, sent them away alongside a voice you once had that you're not sure is still yours, but now your jewellery and acrylics and voice box have returned, as have you. Here today, here tomorrow, and the next, and the next. Now you have accepted you are part of this place. Now you have accepted you are part of this. Now you have accepted you are. Now you are. You are you. The end. What a magnificent story. I loved the energy and the pace of it as it went along. Interestingly enough, I had wanted to include this story in season one as part of the hair sub series because this was such a defining moment for me when I lived in the UK and had to go and get my hair done. And I felt like it was a significant part of my hair story. But in the end, I I decided to leave it out because it spoke to so many more or so much more about... Uh, The journey of being an immigrant, about learning a new way of life and at the same time trying to hold on to your base culture and history and where you're from. And also, I guess, some of the sacrifices that we have to make, whether it's us making them ourselves or our parents. There's a part where she speaks about these kids and these boys who are hanging out in the stairwells, wanting to connect with their parents, their parents' parents, and their parents' parents' parents, because you end up so far away from that, even though you have found a new home and a new sense of belonging and carved out a place for yourself. So that was really interesting for me. I also remember um, living in Manchester at a time when there weren't very many places where you could go to get your hair braided or sort of like African or black hair salons. And the first time I ever went to one of these tower blocks, I had to get my hair done by Mama Marie who was from the DRC, and she was so lovely. And I know that in her house, she was always cooking rice. And I think they would say, parfumé, like perfumed rice, and it was so delicious. And what's crazy about it is that so many years later, uh, my hairdresser that I go to now also makes this rice and it's just so fantastic and I feel so connected to the Lorraine that I was then and the Lorraine that I am now and similar to what they say in the story that I have a better sense of myself now. I am much less apologetic about uh, certainly my hair needs and, and the products that I'm going to use but that within the within trying to find that Lorraine and make my way in the world, whether it was in my career, in relationships, I have found a connection to so many sisters and brothers who are all there trying to also find themselves and be who they are and who they are becoming, holding on and embracing, which is, I guess, a duality we all live with. So I hope you enjoyed the story and that um, in it you you witness some of what people go through as immigrants from an internal journey perspective. And also, I guess, some of the sharp whips that 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 are thrown our way when our accents are different and the way we do things is also different. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cafe Curiosity. Please spread the good news. Tell everyone you know about Cafe Curiosity. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, our home is cafecuriosity.co.za. Until next time, I wish you open-hearted abundance as you explore and find out about all the things you're curious about. Till next time. Bye-bye.